Hello and welcome back to another episode of the TFR podcast. I'm joined by Logan today for the first time, another uh, first appearance for one of the pundits. And uh, we're going to be talking about testing. Uh, day two happened today. There's plenty to discuss and we'll also touch on Logan's predictions and other thoughts on F1. <coughs> Firstly, we're going to actually do this a little bit different for the start of this episode uh, because we have been saddened to hear the unfortunate passing of um, Murray Walker today at the age of 97. And um, personally, for me, I, I, I was a little bit too young to uh, listen to him commentating live on television, but um, I have my own memories from the 1997 F1 game uh, where he did commentary uh, on that game, funnily enough, uh, with Martin Brundle. And Logan, what memories do you have of um, Murray Walker on this sad day? My memories are similar, similar to yours, where mm. I don't remember, I was too young to remember hearing him on TV, but I know I did. I was just too young to remember, yeah. but I do remember some of my first exposure to Formula One in general was on the PlayStation One. They had uh, the first Formula One game that was on PlayStation One, and they even have a year to it. It was literally <laughs> just called Formula One. Yeah. It was based on the 94 season. And he mm. commentated over that as well. He carried that game. It was not it was a pretty simple game, but his commentary over it, you know, he kind of told the story of what was happening in the race as it was happening, which was really cool for a game that old. But yeah, he was just a an iconic voice. Like, anytime you hear his voice, you always picture Formula One. Oh, absolutely. Um, I made a little, for, for those on Twitter, you can actually find it. I, I made a little montage uh, earlier today that unfortunately I can't play on YouTube because I'll probably get done for copyright but um, but it, it's there's so many famous moments my favourite probably favourite ever F1 race the 98 uh, Belgian Grand Prix there's about five amazing kind of Murray moments from that and um, it, it, yeah it's a real shame and what I'm just glad is that you know he, he lived till 97 uh, it's you know he's, he's lived his life to you know a, a good length because um, it's that's always the main thing but um we will we will move on from that um, I felt we needed to touch on that obviously um, and we will now talk about testing today Logan um an interesting day today in terms of well it's difficult isn't it because we can't look at timings as tempting as it is but there was still one thing we can take from testing so far Logan is the situation at Mercedes again today with Hamilton in the morning? If if we touch on that, what, what was your what's your thoughts on this situation at uh, the Silver Arrows? The thing that stuck out to me the most was Hamilton in an interview saying that with the new regulation changes, his car feels very unstable in the rear end. Mm. And he thinks that that's just going to be a universal thing, but that might also just be a Mercedes thing, but we have yet to know. But something that, a correlation between Mercedes' struggles right now and when Mercedes did struggle, which was rare to see last year, but when it did happen last year, a correlation between that and this weekend are rough conditions. Mm. Mercedes, when it has struggled in the past couple years, even though it's been dominant on most days, it's always in rough conditions. Whether it's high altitude messing with temperatures, or just very windy days, or if they get in the dirty air, if they don't get a good start, it really seems to bog them down. And I think we're seeing that in these high winds, sandy conditions. It's just 
it's been a rough for all drivers, I imagine, but the Mercedes seems to be especially having trouble adjusting to it. Like, the Mercedes is by far away the best car in clean air, but if the conditions aren't right, it really seems to mess with it right now. But at the same time, they could be doing a classic sandbag. But I don't think that's quite the case because never has Hamilton just come out and said, like, this car doesn't have real grip, and he's saying it's the it's the new aerodynamic package. But on the other hand, when Mercedes unveiled their car, they said, oh, yeah, we lose downforce with the new regulations, but we're making it up in other places. I'm saying, mm-hmm. nah, that's a, little, that's a little bull. They're struggling right now. Well, they're trying to play it cool. That's the thing. Um, don't worry, Logan. You can say bullshit. I knew. I knew you were tempted uh, to say it. <laughs> we can swear here. Um, but uh, um, I do feel Hamilton does this. He, he likes the mind games, and there's a lot of talk about your Red Bulls and McLarens maybe being a little bit closer to Mercedes this season. We we'll only know till Bahrain next week. But I feel I've seen this with Hamilton before. He said it when Ferrari were in the mix. And he likes to play it down, as anyone would. You know, it, you see it almost too much, Logan, where people, you know, kind of say, oh, they're not going to come out and say, our car is fantastic. And then they come up, they rock up in two weeks' time at the first round of the season, and it's horrific. They, they don't want to look fools. So um, it's interesting. I, I do think I've heard enough now, Logan, for this to be a genuine problem um, in terms of. Even if they had high f- fuel and uh, and d- yeah, a different setup on the car, I don't know. But um, there's not much for them to necessarily change between now and the first round of the season, unlike before when there has been, I, I think, almost 2019. They probably were holding stuff back, but in that year, Ferrari and Mercedes, I think it was last day testing, I might be wrong here, but they were very close on the last day. But then they did change the whole philosophy of the car, especially at the front. And we've rocked up in Australia, Logan, and they absolutely destroyed. So, I mean, I hope that doesn't happen <laughs> for the sake of um, you know entertainment purposes, but I wouldn't be surprised. What do you think? I mean, I think it will happen. I think maybe not to that degree, but Mercedes is still going to be clearly the best team. But I do think they're just having a bad day. You know what I mean? Like, even the best have bad days sometimes. And I think that's what's happening right now. It's like Mercedes had that inconvenient issue with gearboxes, so they didn't get the laps that they wanted on day one. Day two, whether Hamilton's hamming it up or not in the interviews to make it seem like he's struggling. One thing's for certain, he lost the rear and beached his car and didn't get additional yeah. testing in that session because of it. You know, there's no sandbag in that. Mm. He literally sanded it. <laughs> yeah, literally. But, <laughs> but something about him sandbagging is that you hear all the time, and this is more going towards, like, the general audience that watches it on TV or surfs Twitter and sees people talking about it. You always hear people saying, oh, Hamilton's saying my tires are gone, but then he puts mm. the fastest slap and stuff. I think that is where he... I think in the race is when he lies. You know, in these interviews, I think he is being honest. I think he really does feel instability on in the rear, and he really did make mistakes today. I don't think he's lying about that at all. I think it's in the race. They clearly have code words that yeah mean certain things because he'll say my tires are dead my tires are gone i have no grip man and i'm guaranteeing you that, like those all mean specific things one means i'm doing good let's go long the other one means just i'm doing okay and the other one means this actually sucks box now 
Mm. I think that that's definitely a thing. Absolutely, and uh, I, I totally agree with that, Logan, and um, I do think that it, it'll be interesting. Yeah, I can't really look at the, the timings as much as I would like to, um, but what we can look at, Logan, is the, the, the amount of laps that some drivers and teams have done, because that really does show that they can that they can keep the car running for a long period of time which is teams like Mercedes and Aston Martin have not been able to do that that much but I'm looking at Alfa Romeo with Giovinazzi with 124 laps Latifi and the Williams with 132 Perez and the Red Bull with 117 and Alonso with 127 do you think this carries as much weight this season Logan or is it actually you know, more likely that everyone will be fairly reliable because all the regulations are fairly similar. Um, I think a lot of what's going on right now is just testing. I mean, I know that's obvious. Mm, to say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, for example, my only concern really is with the Mercedes engine because Mercedes made, I think, the most changes because they made so many changes to their engine, they literally had to change the shape of their engine cover just to fit the engine. Mm. And Aston Martin had to do that as well. And you look at those cars, and those cars are specifically the ones that are having the most trouble. Yeah. But at the same time, Perez's engine cover also did blow up. So I think what they're doing a lot right now is they are testing the limits of these things. You know, you might as well have your failure now than later. And it just seems like random failures are random failures. They're going to happen. There's so many things on these cars that can just go wrong. That it's just going to happen sometimes. It's just inevitable especially in testing, but I wouldn't look too much into it right now because if you think back the previous years, who was having the reliability issues in testing never really correlated to who was having the reliability issues in the actual races. Absolutely, and um, another little topic that happened today, which got people talking, but um, I'll see if you've got any um, if you if you believe in any of it or not, Logan. But some people took quite a lot of notice about the fact that Giovinazzi finished ahead of Leclerc today after both cars did uh, runs on the soft tyre. I can't remember off the top of my head which C it was. But the Alfa Romeo did look quick and it ended up ahead of Ferrari. Do you think it's realistic that that is the case, that Alfa Romeo are faster than Ferrari? Because I heard people talking about it today, and I'm not sure. What, what's your thoughts on it? Do you think they are? Um, I mean, it's too early to tell. Yeah. The chances are that's not the case. But something that I do believe to be true is that Ferrari is just way overrated. Yeah. I mean, they <laughs> definitely made improvements with that engine. You can tell just by the sound of that thing. And... Mm. A lot of people give me crap for that, but it's like where I come from in the cars I've heard growing up, it's like you see someone out on the track and you see them every Friday night and then they come back the next year and they say they made improvements to their car. You can just hear the difference. You can tell from the difference in the sound of what those changes was or how much changes you made. You made. But with the Ferrari, I mean, it's hard to tell exactly what those changes are, but the tone of the engine is a step lower 
and you can hear more parts of the engine, if that makes sense. Like, there seems to be more sounds mixing together, if you get what I mean. Mm. You can hear the NGUK more. You can hear a little bit of the turbo more. When last year, all that you heard was just that high-pitched kind of sound that the Ferrari, that the stink Ferrari sound. Kind of like on the F1 game, you know, there's less depth to the sound, if, that, if yeah. you get what I mean. Like, there's more depth to that engine that you can hear kind of similar to how 2018 was like if you hear a 2018 on board compared to a 2020 on board you would think okay that 2018 engine is just infinitely better yeah absolutely it just seems like it's laboring so much less that's what it sounds like to me too but of course time will tell with that but i think their struggles in the aerodynamic department are very big i mean they were an issue in 2019 even more so in 2020 and i think they're even going to be more so yet again this year as well, and I think maybe that's where Alfa Romeo is really picking it up, because something I did notice with Alfa Romeo's aerodynamics that caught my eye was the, uh, what's it called right above their head, like the air intake that's what yes, intake. yes Alfa Romeo, it looks like they literally have a two-stage air intake, where most air intakes are there's one layer to it, if you get what I mean like, mm. looking at the car from forward end to back end like, whatever dimension you would call that what, wherever the air intake is, there might be a design to it horizontally, but there was no depth to it vertically on the car. Whereas on the Alfa Romeo, there's like one intake, one big one in the middle, and then a little bit back towards the rear of the car, maybe like half a foot, there's two additional smaller air intakes on the side of the main one. Mm. Whereas on other cars, they have the main intake that's big in the middle, and may, maybe they have, like, separating pieces of carbon fiber on the top of that, but it's all a part of one intake. And, and maybe that's the difference. I don't know. That's just something that I thought caught my eye. So they definitely have made changes to it. But how yeah. much, you know, it, it's just yet to know. But I do think that definitely Ferrari's cars, they are struggling. But that new engine, it's nice. They're going to be, like, uh, it reminds me kind of like a Racing Point back in, like, 2018. Mm. Or if anyone played the game, even, you would know this, where it's like 2018, 2019 racing point. You're a monster in a straight line, <laughs> but you're like a midfield car in the corners. I feel like that's what we're getting out of the Ferrari right now. It'll be interesting. Um, I I personally hope that a lot of this is just kind of sandbagging and nobody has any idea. Um, and Ferrari then rock up to Bahrain a little bit like they were, because I think they are one of the very few teams that could genuinely beat Mercedes and it's not all about obviously Mercedes getting beaten but it's just in terms of the entertainment of the sport I personally do feel um, there's a very limited amount of teams that could ever challenge Mercedes and they are one of them and um, and I hope that they can uh, get this turned around and we don't want you know a team like Ferrari with all the history and, and the well just yeah all the history of it uh, to be stuck towards the back uh, of the field another f major thing that happened today Logan uh, was the engine cover coming off Checo Perez's car uh, when in the slipstream of the Williams I believe and um, it's quite a scary thing when you think about it because if there was a car behind him that could have been pretty dangerous um, but what were your thoughts yeah. on that Logan? I think, uh, obviously, every team's doing it. They're looking for every little advantage they can get. Mm. If I had to guess what went on there, 
you would have to think, why did it happen to this year's car, not last year's car? Okay, they would have had to have made a change. Where would the change have to be? Obviously, it would have to be in the structure of the, what's it called, like the structure of the monocoque? The, the monocoque, yeah. The, the monocoque over the top of the engine structure. They must have gone for some weight reduction on their design mm. that just, it just, it, uh, what would be the term for it? It, it hurt the structural integrity of it, I guess is a good way to put it. You know, they kind of pushed the reduction a little too far. I think that's what happened there. And it kind of reminds me of something back in uh, 2018. If you look at a car like the Haas, it was mm. very competitive in 2018. In 2019, at the very beginning, in the first practice sessions and in qualifying in Australia, it was very competitive. And then both cars had suspension failures. And then the car was never competitive again. And it's obvious there that, hey, there was a structural issue, whatever weight reduction they went for with their suspension design and they had to change that and a heavier one's going to be a slower one and I think we may see a similar thing with this engine cover where they're going to have to change the engine cover on both cars because it can't last which is going to make the car a little bit heavier which is going to make it a little bit not as quick and it might throw off the balance just a touch you know I'm not going to say it's a big difference but maybe that gap between Red Bull and Mercedes isn't quite as close as we thought because now we see that part that they had is a failing part and they're going to have to revert that change. Yeah, it'll be interesting. The thing is, it could genuinely be some of the screws were maybe a little bit loose. You know what I mean? Um, af after a couple of laps. Because uh, it wasn't like he just came out. It was, I think they said on commentary, it was only five laps. But I think you're right in what you're saying, Logan. It could be that. Um, where you know it could just be they've tried something and then it's not worked and it's a pretty dangerous thing to try but I guess they they are pushing this kind of thing to the limit or it could have just been an accident which does happen at testing um, but it, it's a mystery and we, we'll probably never know but um, but apart from that not much else happened today uh, no sandstorms um, it didn't look like Tatooine today it did just look like normal Bahrain and um and yeah, it was a pretty steady day at the office. You, you'd have to say it felt a little bit like an FP2 session, where they where they went for a, a few flying laps, which obviously are irrelevant at the moment for us because we don't have a clue what each team are doing. Um, but a lot of other teams doing really long runs. So um, we'll we'll probably move on now from testing, as uh, that seems like every corner covered. And then we have our last day tomorrow, which you never know. Someone might just kind of release um, release the kind of shackles if you like and go for it we, we, we'll see but um, we'll, we'll get on to now uh, I've got here uh, Logan in the schedule your predictions because um, I did predictions with Liam and Chris on the first podcast I did them with Dirk yesterday on his first uh, podcast and now you're here to do yours so we'll, we'll kind of we'll, we'll rattle through them um, because there's quite a few but uh, we'll, we'll start it off with uh, who is going to be your top three in the driver's standings this season in 2021. All right, this is going to be a really boring statement. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, I can already tell people are going to sleep as I even think about what I'm going to say. <laughs> it's going to be Hamilton, Bottas, Verstappen. It's going to be pretty straightforward. I think Hamilton is... I think the Mercedes is still going to be the best car and Hamilton's going to bring home another championship on the back of Mercedes always giving him preference of strategy over Bottas, even when Bottas is ahead. 
Because mm. Mercedes, they love to ham up that history, right? They love to ham up making history and breaking records. They want to have a driver become the great, you know, the most championships of all time. The greatest of all you time. Really tell, you could really tell that they were pushing for him to get the, that pole record. They were really pushing for him to get that seventh championship. They were really be pushing to get number eight. Mm. And the thing that kind of irritated me with the treatment of Bottas last year, who, by the way, I think is the most underrated driver on the entire grid, Oof. is that there was multiple times last year where Bottas, during the race, would say, I want to do this, or, like, let's go for this. And they would say, no, Hamilton's in front, and the first car decides the pit strategy, and then both cars follow the pit strategy. And they even said in a post-race interview that that's how they work, right? And then mm. literally the next race, Bottas pit, and Hamilton stayed out for five laps and then went on to a different tire, which is literally exactly what they just said they don't allow. So it's obvious, clear as day, is they do have a one-two driver set up, and Hamilton gets preference and strategy over Bottas. And, but their car's going to be good enough that they're going to be one-two in the championship again. And whether Bottas can challenge him or not, their, their bias towards Hamilton is going to help. And don't get me wrong, Hamilton's very good. I'm not saying he's not. So mm. I think he's going to win another championship. And I think Verstappen will be third. And fourth is going to be Perez as well. But mm -hmm. I think that it is a change, right? Perez is talented, but going from one car to another car is a difference. And just that little bit of pace will lose in that adjustment period will be enough for Verstappen to beat him in points, regardless of how the rest of the season goes. Interesting. Uh, very interesting. You say it's a boring prediction, but none of the f the other four of us went for that prediction, <laughs> which is quite astonishing when you think about it. Um, but, yeah, I mean... I feel like we, we have a decent debate podcast brewing up here of if Bottas is essentially shit or not, uh, <laughs> because Liam and Chris uh, both absolutely ripped Bottas to shreds um, in that episode, and I, I'm you, you're clearly a, a Bottas, um, what would I... A, a supporter to uh, in terms of backing him up, uh, not necessarily like waving his flag, but but in terms of um, you rate him. Um, so I feel there could be a podcast there, um, but we'll, we'll save that for another day. Um, and uh, I, they yes, they went Hamilton, Verstappen, Bottas. I and so did Dirk actually. Uh, I forgot to say him. And I went for Verstappen, Hamilton, Perez just because I just like to mix it up but um, <laughs> we'll move it on to the constructors and uh, what is your we're actually we've, we we weren't doing your top three in this um, and to mix it up we've said who will be the best of the rest in your opinion uh, so this is the fourth position in the constructor standings I don't think best of the rest is going to be fourth. I think best of the rest <laughs> is going to be third. Because True, when I hear yeah. best of the rest, I think of best of the cars that, like, to me, there's three types of teams in F1. There's could potentially win the race cars on pace, not just luck. You know, like, even the Alpha Tower, even though it won a race, I don't consider that a top car because it needed mm. some BS to happen to get that chance. So I think, like, the cars that can theoretically win a race on pace are the front runners and then you got the midfield as everyone else and then you got the back markers mm. and the last couple years like in 2019 we only had one back marker team 
but we had three teams that could win a race, which was interesting. We had that in like 2018 and 2019. And then last year was very weird, where we only really had one, I dare I say like one and a half front-running teams. It was like, <laughs> no. you get what I mean with Mercedes and Red yeah. Bull. And then everyone was midfield, but at the same time, you could argue that Alfa Romeo, Haas, and Williams were together, the back markers. Yeah, year. yeah. It was kind of the opposite, where we went from three top teams to one back team to one front team and three back teams. And this year's going to be tough to tell. But if I had to give a prediction right now, I would say that I honestly think Haas is going to be the worst team. Uh-huh. Because I think they're just moving in the wrong direction, personally. I think they're heading towards... They're focusing on next season. Because, like, that's a weird thing about this season. Our team's going to be putting more of their funds towards this year's car or next year's car. Because mm. next year's car is going to be going for more seasons than this year's car. But at the same time, teams need money. And you get the most of your money through constructor standings. And there's still a lot of money to be had this season. So it's kind of mm. a weird chess match. Where do you put your funds here or next year? But I think when it comes to front-running cars, it's going to be straightforward. It's like Mercedes and Red Bull are going to be the two cars that could win on any weekend. But I think that gap is closing between how far ahead those front cars are to the rest of the field, specifically with Alpine and McLaren, as Mm. we saw last season. Aston Martin, I'm not positive about yet, but I think they're going to be in that mix too. We're going to be like, it's going to be Mercedes and Red Bull, and then close behind, we're going to have Alpine, McLaren, and Aston Martin, and then kind of everyone else. I know, I would throw Alpha Alpine third. With those middle cars. If I don't, I don't know which one's going to be third, it's going to be hard to tell. But if I had to oh, make a I'm going yeah. to guess. I'm gonna guess <laughs> Honestly, I'm going to guess McLaren, mainly because I think the Alpine and McLaren will be very, very close in pace. But you know, it will come down to drivers, which I give a gigantic advantage to Ricardo. I think Ricardo, mm. like if I had to make a top five drivers in terms of skill, like Ricardo is going to be up there two or three. <laughs> yeah. He, he's a top three I have talent. I think he's extremely underrated just because for Shaffin. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, um... I, I only had best the rest for fourth because of obviously in the past we've had your Mercedes uh, Ferrari and Red Bull um, so that's where that's came from and I guess it's also the podium type thing of the top three but uh, so is it uh, was it McLaren in the end that you've gone for fourth or was it Alpine I, I, I've t- I, I, my apologies <laughs> sorry this is, I don't know, it's a tough one on one hand, I think McLaren will get third and Alpine will be fourth. Mm. But on the same hand, I think that McLaren's very overrated because of its name. So people are always like, oh, it's this is their year. Or if you're like an American football fan, they're always like the Dallas Cowboys. Or like, they're, they're <laughs> Americans' team, but they're always mediocre. You know, it's, a, it's hard to tell because that Mercedes engine is an improvement compared to the Renault. And the Mercedes improved the Mercedes engine going into this year. And they have a better driver lineup this year in my opinion and having Ricardo Mm. but the Alpine well Renault last year was a very strong car arguably just as good if not better than the McLaren was last year and I think they got a very good driver in Alonso I think he's going to be on par with how he was in 2018 which was still very above average 
Rockon's mm. no slouch either. So I think it's going to be very competitive between those two teams, possibly a three or four team battle for midfield. But if I had to make a guess, it would be McLaren third and Alpine fourth, just solely on gut. There isn't really anything to back it up. <laughs> that is interesting. Um, because, and, and I, I do compare it to what we've said, because it's obviously everyone's different opinions. Um, but it, it's very interesting you've said Alpine, because all three of us, as in Liam, Chris and me, because Dirk didn't actually do this one, um, we we all kind of put Alpine, uh, I've, I had them in, my apologies, sixth, and uh, both, and so did Chris, uh, sorry, Liam actually, and Chris had them fifth. So it's interesting that you, you, you believe in the French team, um, compared to us, even though Chris is actually a massive, um, he was a massive uh, Renault fan, even though they're now Alpine, but uh, you, you, you've got high beliefs in them, and it's good to see a different opinion um, with them in the top four, but uh, Liam and Chris went for Aston Martin, and uh, I went for McLaren, but what do you, why do you think Aston Martin aren't in that top four, Logan? Um, towards the end of last season, um, that team was having reliability issues, mm. which is never a good thing. And through Mercedes power engine, power unit, I should say, power unit cars are having issues so far in testing. So that's a big chunk of points you're missing out on if you regularly got people in that third to sixth range. Every time you have an engine failure, you're possibly losing 10 points to your team. And mm. also every time Lance Stroll does something really stupid, you're losing <laughs> another 10 points to your team. Yeah. Because I, I believe he's a bottom tier driver in F1. Mm. I think so, that... it's like, would you rather have Vettel, but also Stroll, or have Ricardo and Norris? Yeah, that's the thing. Absolutely. And, um... and that's, it's, it's also a gut feeling, because we don't know how much each team's going to improve over the course of the season, or how exactly. much of Vettel's going to show up. Like, are we going to see that, oh, that's why he's four-time champion Vettel, or are we going to yeah. see the, oh, I see smoke, there's a lockup, might as well assume it's Vettel. <laughs> well, this is the thing, and that's, and that's why... Last year. That's why, yeah, exactly, and that's why we're doing these predictions now, uh, because then we can look back on it in even probably three months, and it will look totally upside down. Who knows? We'll have like Haas getting pole in the win in in, um, no in Bahrain. No, it won't happen, obviously. But um, yeah. <laughs> um, and also, you saying like the ranking of drivers? Maybe that's for another podcast. Driver tears. Oh, yeah. Who is the best? Who's the worst? That that I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> um, the next one I've got uh, these ones. Um, these are quite snappy, if you like. So um, just uh, just w one answer really you can probably give for them instead of ranking, if you like. And the first one here is driver of the year. Who do you think that will be? So by driver year you mean like what? how good they perform compared to where their car is, right? No, so this is, if there was a prize at the end of the season, you're the driver of the season, this is, obviously, you can, if someone's the world champion, you can put that into perspective, but if you were going to give the prize to you are driver of the year, who would that be? Uh, I'm, I'm like, thinking, I'm picturing... I've caught you out. <laughs> um... I'm going to make a bold statement here. Ooh. I think it's going to be Mick Schumacher. 
That's so spooky. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna catch one. I think he's gonna get a hold of his car pretty quickly, and I think he's gonna do so much better. I think there's gonna be a big gap between him and Mazepin, and I have a gut feeling that it's gonna be another three-way battle towards the pack between Williams, Haas, and Alfa Romeo. And if he can be the front running of those six guys can somewhat consistently, it'll be like him and Russell consistently at the top two of those six. Then I feel like him building such a gap to his teammate in terms of performance will really help him shine and kind of become driver of the year because also with when you're on like a back market team like that all you need is one shine performance where some bad things happen up front and you're in the right position and you kind of get yourself into a points paying position and that can kind of make your year and when I'm thinking of all the other teams I think like oh like this guy will do above average or stuff like that but I don't think of like any I can't think of any other team where there's going to be a gigantic difference between one teammate to another. Like, I guess you could see Russell to Latifi. Mm. But, I don't know, it's just a gut feeling, kind of. I would say Schumacher would probably be nothing. Well, the reason why I said that was spooky was because Dirk said that as well yesterday. He said Mick Schumacher, and I was so surprised to hear it then. And I'm even more surprised to hear it now, because you've said it without even knowing. Um, and, I mean, especially the fact that both me, Liam, and Chris all went for Verstappen being super boring. Um, but I like it. I, I hope Mick does do well, because I do, I do feel there's this thing that started to latch on with him about this second season where it's like he's a bit slow and then he's amazing in the second season and that would be very nice to see him just brush that away and just straight from the blocks do well i will move on though to the next thing logan and that is the biggest improvement from last season to this season now this could be a driver or a team so this is quite open this one that's a good one. I'm trying to think, like, was was Latifi the only rookie last year? He was, yeah, he was, yeah, the only rookie. All right, so I don't think he's gonna do anything again. So I don't think he's gonna be biggest improver. And you can't say Alonso because that's cheating. <laughs> yeah, that's cheating. Um, biggest improvement. Uh, I was thinking Ricardo, but at the same time, he did good last year too. I think mm. he's gonna do really good this year. I think he's gonna crush the like the other guys on Alpine and McLaren and Aston Martin. I think he's gonna be like the top of that six easy. Um, I mean, you could go for that because I went I'm for say, Perez, like I'm gonna go and with the team. I'm gonna go with the team on this one. Yeah, interesting. I think, I think Alfa Romeo is gonna be the most improved team. I think they're going to go from consistently in the back six to being like where they were in 2018 with the player, where they're mixing it up in the points paying positions. Interesting. Um, that is, again, very different to what any of us have said, because I said Perez, as I've just said, and uh, Liam and Chris said Vettel. You didn't say anything about Vettel there, so do you think he won't bring back the, the, um, the full-time world champion days, or do you think it'll just be a fairly steady straightforward season for him in new surroundings I think he'll, I think he'll do decent like he'll, he'll be in a decent car and he's going to perform decent in that car you know mm. I I don't know I don't think he's going to have a bad year and I think he's definitely driving with the chip on his shoulder but I think the difference you know what I mean like if he gets a couple podiums maybe and he just consistently scores in the points it's like okay well that's what people were doing in the racing point last year yeah you know? but I still think he's going to be a really good 
replacement for Perez. You know, he's going to be like yet the next guy to crush Stroll one on one, but Stroll will still stay around because. That's the thing. But in terms of like you know just overall improvement, I feel like the difference of like Alfa Romeo going from like one of, if not the worst cars, to being a midfield and like battling for points consistently, I feel like that's a big you know that's a big difference. That's going from literally scoring points to not scoring points. So yeah, no. I just think that'll be the biggest gap from last year to this year. But it's it's early days, you know, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the next one I've got um, is biggest disappointment. So who do you think will be uh, having a shocker this season? Um, I'm spoiled for choices. No, um, really. <laughs> I could reel off like five. Can I do that? You can. Um, I'll, I'll only be able to go with one, unfortunately, for the predictions. But but you can All go right, go so ahead. Go my, ahead. Here be the here be the written down prediction you can yeah. right the McLaren everyone's hyping this up to be oh they're gonna be competitive now because McLaren everyone's a McLaren fanboy because McLaren like they're gonna be where they were last year you know they might challenge a couple podiums but they're not gonna be a top team winning races and it's gonna disappoint everyone again like so I think that's gonna be the biggest disappointment not because they'll be bad but just because everyone's hyping them up so much but I think there's a lot of other disappointments to be had, like Mazepin, who almost hit someone in testing. Um, mm. Latifi, not improving really at all. Um, Stroll, I mean, I guess you can't really call Stroll a disappointment because, like... He's shit anyway. <laughs> his teammate is kind of his signature move, so... We can just call that par for the course, so... Yeah, yeah. yeah. The McLaren will be the biggest disappointment. Very interesting, because... Again, it's so different. Um, I, I love having these different opinions because it, it, it brings so much variety. And um, and Chris said Bottas, so there you go. Another f fuel to the fire of that podcast of debate. Um, Liam said Alonso, and I said Aston Martin. Um, so very disappointing. Dis I almost said disappointing. Um, very different. <laughs> that's what I meant to say. Uh, between all those. And the last predictions I've got here is your one bold prediction. And this can be as bold as possible. Go as wild as you want with this because um, that's what we've all tried to do. And um, obviously within the within the confines of um, of possibilities, but. Um, but yeah, what is your bold prediction for 2021? Alright, here's my bold prediction for 2021. Mm. I think this year is going to be a lot crazier in terms of results than any other season the Turbo Hybrid era was. 2020 was by far the craziest in terms of results in the Turbo Hybrid era, obviously mm. because we had two cars that were not Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes win races, and Ferrari didn't win at all. You know, We've never had that variety of cars winning races and I think we're going to see more of that in terms of podiums maybe not necessarily race wins because you know a lot of has to go wrong with the top two teams throughout to happen but here's my bold prediction right here <clears throat> Daniel Ricciardo um, Landon Norris Alcon Alonso and Vettel will all get podiums interesting, interesting. Ricciardo will get many many uh, what we're we defining as many Five? <laughs> oh my god, how spooky is that? I literally said that, and on my audio, my voice was before you there, and you then literally said it. Wow. Um, 
What about the others? How many do you think Norris will get? I'm trying to make this more difficult for you. I shouldn't really be doing this, but um, how right. many do you think Norris will get? Norris might get one. Just the Just one. Like, I, th I think all the rest might get like one. Interesting. Uh, I mean. That is a ballsy prediction because it just takes one of those drivers not to get it. Um, yeah. But but that is Ricardo's the fun of it. Gonna, yeah, I think Ricardo's going to be best of the rest. So anytime there's an engine failure or anything up top, you know he's going to be the guy there to pick up the scraps mm. and get on that podium. I think he's. I would say go as far as saying he's like he's like either first or second in terms of in terms of drivers on the grid in my personal rankings. I think he's really underrated. I mean, people rate him highly, and I still think he's underrated. I think he's easily a championship driver. I think you put him and Hamilton in the same car, given that they're both, like, adjusted and used to the car, I think he beats Hamilton. No problem. Interesting. Um, well, I will save that for another podcast. I feel like this podcast we've done here, we've almost opened the door for about five different new ones. <laughs> it's quite, quite amazing. Yeah, I know. It gives me plenty to do. Um, I... Actually, to 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 round off now, um, we I I'll I know that this is a, a as the viewers can probably tell by your voice, you are a proud American, Logan. And um, we will f round this episode off. Um, you can be let off the shackles here if you like with this one. Right. But talk to like us, that. talk to us about the new Hass and your view on it. Go ahead. I'm disappointed. Because now the whole, I don't think it was made to look like a Russian flag. I feel like that just happened. They're like, oh, what are the colors of our team? Red, white, and blue. And it, it's the color of our team. It's the color of the flags where our drivers. Like, whatever. Let's make a red, white, and blue livery. I don't think they tried to make it look like a flag or anything. They literally just threw the design on and used those colors, and it happened. My disappointment comes in the fact is it's another car that's mainly white with either blue or red on it because there's already other cars that do that like Williams white with blue you know mm. we got cars that are white with red I just like to see variety of car colors on the grid I'm disappointed in the livery I love like their 2017 and like 2018 design you know it was clean but simple but it stood out from the rest of the cars in the field like how the front end faded from like a black to like a chrome was like a really cool effect I liked mm. but in terms of the car and how I think they're going to do. I think they're going to be, I think they're focusing on next season mainly. They were a team struggling for money. Now they got that Mazda pin money to help them out. And hopefully that'll help them grow um, mm. over the next couple years. But I'm not expecting too much out of them this year. But I do think that Schumacher's more than going to find his feet. I think he's going to be on pace with the other guys in cars similar to his pace pretty directly. And I think he is. I think he's definitely got a future in F1. I don't know how good, but it's definitely not going to be a couple seasons and now kind of guy. I know I, I got a gut feeling that he's going to be a the guy that moves up from F2 that stays for a while, kind of like a Norris. Kind of like settles himself in. Yeah, he's going to be like Norris and Leclerc, where he's just another one of the young guns from F2 coming up. Hmm, that is interesting. I've not heard anyone say that, and that is a good point um, to kind of become like that. And dare I say it? Any thoughts on the ma Mazepin? Um, well, yeah. how how do I put it? But the 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 the, the whole thing of it all, the the whole Mazepin situation, if you like, with Haas. What's your take yeah. on it? So there's three points to it, and I'll be really short on each point. Point number one: Does he deserve to be an F1? 
Okay, so he's in there. He wasn't above average F2 driver. He got some wins in F2. You know, he performed better than most F2 drivers. Maybe he wasn't the top pick, but he was up there, you know. And fair and square, he earns his super license. He has not done anything to lose his super license. So if we're playing by the rule book here, it's clean and fair for him to be racing in F1, whether you think it would be the best choice for that seat or not. And, of mm. course, the money did play a role in that, too. So it's like, picture you're playing FIFA. Like, you can sign a 100 overall player, or you can sign a 95 overall player, and your team just gets $10 million. Like, mm -hmm. you're taking that. You know what I mean? Like, it's that's an asset. So that kind of covers two of them, two points, the financial one and the does he deserve to be in. I mean, he's got a super license, you know, play by the rules here. Whether we like him or not, he deserves his chance. And the third one's the most obvious one, the whole incident that we're talking about. And I'm not going to voice my opinion on this. I'm the type of guy that just says everyone's always on one side of it. So why don't I just give the other side's argument just to, just for the sake of it, right? Here's a different angle to look at that thing. If what he did was so bad, then why was he not charged? Mm. Right? It was mm -hmm. on camera. If it if he if they wanted him charged and he really did something that malicious, he would have been charged. Caught on camera doing it, there's no way he gets out of it, right? And p other people could play the card. They don't want to come out and do that. They don't want to do this. Well, that's the worst thing that you can do. Because if someone really is that dangerous, if someone really is that much of a menace to society, the last thing that you would want to do is let them walk free, walk free so they can t continue to do it. Now he's free and clear to do it again if he really is that bad. I think, here's my personal take of what happened. You might have to cut this out because I don't know what is deemed appropriate. That's all right. The thing is, though, everyone's entitled to their everyone's entitled yeah. to their own opinion. And just because right. people, I hate it with society nowadays. You know, whether I disagree with you or not, but everyone can say their opinion, and not everybody. It feels in society nowadays that everyone has to think the same opinion, and that's wrong. Yeah. Everyone is allowed to say what they think. So don't don't worry about that because you know everyone is allowed everyone has a voice you know not to get deep about it but you know that so feel free so my perspective i try to put myself in the person's shoes like i think he's done some dickhead things on the track right he's really pushed the limits of what's allowed and what's not with this defensive moves and that video getting posted was a gigantic mistake no justifying that in any way shape, or form. Mm. and i'm not saying touching women's a good thing but my perspective is I'm trying to picture if I'm out having fun with people and on the way home from the club, we get into a car and I'm in the back seat with a chick and I kind of notice her chest is out, but I don't want to be that guy to say something like I noticed it. And then all of a sudden I see the guy in the front seat is had, has a camera out filming a Snapchat. I'm reaching over and covering that up so it doesn't end up on the internet. If I get slapped, so be it. I'll explain later to her why I did that. You know what I mean? Like there's... How do we cannot prove that that wasn't it? You know, that's the impression I got watching it. It's not like he, it didn't look like he was groping or looked like, like, oh shit, I gotta cover that up. So, I mean, this is just another perspective that you have to look at that could very well be the reason he did that. And it's honestly the reason I think he did that. Because let's be honest, if it was such of a, if it was assault, he would have assaulted the person before they willingly got in a car with him to go home from a bar. You know what I mean? There's multiple steps before you even get to that point. Mm -hmm. And that both parties would have to consent to. to so, you, to that point. do you think though 
that what's your take on the whole situation then being the kind of you know the example of who he is in and obviously you know we've had i mean james hunt in the past but like you know in today's world what's your your opinion on that kind of aspect of it in terms of you know should that well you know especially when you've just got the handshake done in terms of going to f1 should you then what, what, what's your thoughts on the the whole lifestyle thing of it and the, the decision and i i can't blame the guy like i'm trying to picture imagine your life right now if somehow some events led you being a formula one driver right you're telling me you wouldn't go out and celebrate i fucking would i go out and celebrate you know what i mean like what a weight that would be off your shoulders to finally accomplish your lifelong goal right so he goes out to the bar with some friends to have fun while he's there he meets some chicks and they all leave together right and then that split second decision happened right where he's like oh shit camera cover her up like you can't judge a guy based on one snap quick decision he made like that it's not like there's multiple cases of him assaulting this girl it's not like there's videos of him groping chicks and clubs and all that it's just that one little clip that was it and in that one little clip you can't tell what the context of that was so what we need to do as a society we're pushing things too quickly i understand that our culture has changed things that were acceptable 20 years ago are not acceptable now but what we all need to do is our due diligence our research and wait for the facts to come out and not jump the gun he could have done something super shitty and the context could have been that he was just feeling her up and shouldn't have been and then i look like an idiot that could very well be the thing but i'm just saying let's wait for the facts to come out Mm. to not jump to the gun because like i said what if my perspective is what happened where he said oh shit camera i don't want this girl's chest be on camera whether i get slapped because i do this or not i'm going to try to do the right thing we don't know what happened you know and if it really was that bad of an issue like i said why was he not charged yeah i i hear i hear your point and um i think the thing is i think everyone is on the same page when you say you know we we have to wait until any verdict or any any hardcore evidence or whatever comes out because then that's when you know black and white this is you know th- there would be no different opinion then you know what i mean that everyone would then think of the same way about it but it's you know i feel it's good though you know to have different opinions on here and thoughts because it's you know if 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 everyone just thinks the same thing then what's the point in having an opinion um so so yeah no it was it's good to have you on the podcast logan because we'll, we'll wrap it up there because uh, unfortunately we've we've pretty much hit the hour mark uh for this show uh so and i'm sticking to my rule of <laughs> of capping it because uh, i know myself i would just keep it going <laughs> but it's been good talking to you and um and yeah, I'm sure uh, it, the, the viewers will enjoy watching this one because there'll be plenty of uh, discussion and content to dig their teeth into. But um, we'll wrap it up there and uh, we'll be back, uh, myself, with whoever, uh, who knows, uh, for tomorrow to call, well talk about the, the last day of pre-season testing and probably round it all up. And, um, and then that'll be that for testing already. Uh, but we'll see you then. And uh, yeah, goodbye.